The following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us online at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9.45 or 11.30 a.m. in Pembroke Pines, Florida or online at westpines.org. Well, thank you for that. Let me say, uh, I would say prior to this right here, back about 30 years ago when my pastor, who uh, basically raised me, Bill Billingsley, the founding pastor of Sheridan Hills Baptist Church and of Sheridan House, asked me to fill in for him, that was the highest honor I've ever had until today. When Roby asked me to fill in for him, and let me say when Matt said he has a plan, Roby is probably one of the most neurotically organized human beings I've ever seen. So Roby had asked me, uh, hey dad, can you save the weekends around when Rebecca's due? Uh, He asked me that six and a half years ago. Uh, So I I would be organized and ready. No, the, the hilarity of it was, two weeks ago, he asked me to turn in my sermon. That's the truth. Yeah, can you just, I'd like to look at your sermon. Yeah, so he's got some serious control issues, and that's okay. Uh, But you can count on the fact that he is absolutely positively going to be uh, incredibly organized. This is Mother's Day, and I just want to spend a moment uh, saying it's three women, uh, three basic moms that uh, prayed me into the kingdom. My mom uh, married a man who was not a believer, so we did not go to church. Uh, but she role modeled it, and uh, I, got, I got to see it in her life. And then when I was beginning high school, my mom died of cancer, and my grandma out in Colorado, who I never saw from the funeral on the rest of my life, uh, prayed for me every single day and would send me letters when I was in college that were, you know, verses. And be honest with you, I made fun of those letters uh, when I was in college, but they got to me. I, I'm, I'm going to give us all some hope here. They got to me. And then when I'm a sophomore in college, there was a freshman in that college who, who was walking across the campus who was gorgeous, named Rosemary. And in mid-September, I asked her out for a date, and she turned me down. I mean, who wouldn't want some of this, really? She, she turned me down, and uh, I asked her out every single week uh, from mid-September to December 4th. And finally, December 4th, we had a little talk Uh, why aren't you going out with me? And she said, because you're not a Christian. I had no idea what that meant, by the way. And so I then decided uh, I'm going to church. I think I'm going to church. And this is in Knoxville. I'm in college in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I got to tell you, in Knoxville, Tennessee, everybody goes to church. The livestock go to church in Knoxville. And so I go, and in January, she she played a part in leading me to Christ and uh, gave me my first Bible. And uh, I was a long journey uh, I know some people are a quicker journey. Uh, you and I were a longer journey. I was a long journey in the process and watching this journey. I proposed to her every six months. This is sad. This is a sad collection of people. This is a support group for anger issues, isn't it? Wow. Every six months for four and a half years. And finally, I wore her down. And she prays for me and the kids every single day of her life. Every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. And uh, I am convinced that all the privileges I've had in my life uh, and all of watching what God has done, I'm convinced, is because of her prayers. It's absolutely astounding. 
We're going to look today at doubt. We're going to look at today at dealing with doubt. We're going to look today at those situations in life where, wow, what do you do? How do you handle it? How, how do you deal with the doubt? How do you, how do, I don't know what to do here, Lord. I didn't see this coming. I just didn't see it coming. I wasn't ready for this. How, how, do, I, how do I rope that all in? And, and, and sometimes doubt and difficulty have been brothers in your heart for so long. They're almost defining you. They're almost who you are. But we can't come to church and tell anybody about it. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. What's in your life? I'm doubting a lot now. Would you, would you, would you pray for me about my doubt? And so I think my father per- permits things in my life to make me have to choose to draw a line in the sand. You know, I've had the privilege of, for 41 years of working at Sheridan House and working at Sheridan House. We, we knew about 10 years ago we needed some more property and we needed a bigger campus and and so we started praying about it, and it was a friend named Rick Hornsby, actually, who found a piece of property on Flamingo Road that's 60 acres, and the man was asking half a million an acre, and we went, and uh, we didn't have any money. We went and offered him 50000 an acre instead of half a million, and he basically took it. I mean, he countered for 53000 an acre, and everybody in the car was excited but me as we drove away. And they're, and they're looking at me and saying, what's wrong? And I said, we just committed to $3.1 million. What were we thinking? And one of them said, well, what, what do we have? And I said, we have $10,000. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, and watching God use people in churches to buy this land. But the problem with me is I watched God do all this stuff, but I got right up against this big four-inch thick glass wall again with the next one. And it's a little foggy, this next wall. When you can't see, you just see potential problems, a problem in your marriage that you're dealing with, a problem in your health, a problem in your finances, a problem with your job, whatever it is, and you just see, I I forget this. And so then it was time to build and watching the construction industry and Mastercraft and all these different organizations come and say, we're in, we're all in, and watching it just take place at Sheridan House. But then there was that one thing, the fifth house, where we had a grant for $750,000 that at the last minute got yanked. We were all in. It was going to happen. I had the privilege of being an interim pastor in a church in the community where this money was coming from. The family went to church there. We were in the process in all the services of changing the music. And, and as we changed the music and changed no, no more choir robes, and it offended some people, including the family that was giving $750,000 to build the house. And I got a call on Monday saying it's canceled. And I was devastated. And I'm driving up uh, to West Palm Beach to try to get into this foundation and say, can I talk to you? And I'm talking to God. I'm saying, Lord, I know you know this is a children's home. Really? And I can't get past the receptionist, and I can't get in. And driving south on I-95 after that, and really having a talk with God. And there's this car in front of me that's killing me doing the speed limit. <clears throat> and so there I am on I-95, and I can't get around this car. And, and I look, and down on, and they have a Sheridan House license plate. State of Florida gave Sheridan House a license plate called the Family Values License Plate. Absolute miracle, yeah. And so, but, I, but that wasn't by coincidence. That was the angels placing that car right there. Hoping that, and I know they're saying to God, is he going to get this? The license plate's a miracle. <laughs> and all he is is irritated by the car with the license plate. And it was a long period of time. And then I get a call. About five or six months later, I don't remember anymore exactly how much, which is sad, later, from a guy, his name is Bob Elmore, and he said, I'm going blind. Can I come and have you pray with me? 
I said, absolutely. And a driver brings him, and I offered to come to him, and he wanted to come to Sheridan House, and a driver brings him. We're sitting in my office, we're praying together, and Mr. Elmore says, I want to do something for Sheridan House, what do you need? And I said, well, let's do it the other way around. Tell me what you want to do for Sheridan House, and I can tell you where that'll help. And he said, well, next month I'm going to give Sheridan House a, a, a check for $1 million. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. Not quite as feminine, but me too, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm like, wow. He actually said, this, Mr. Elmore, blind, I wish I could see your face right now. And so spent some time with him. He left. I got in this funny little golf cart we have on our campus, and I'm driving around going, how would you do that? Oh, Bob, it's just zero, son. I got you. I got you. You got to trust me. We have a problem. The problem is we trust God until the difficulty comes. Doesn't make any sense. Then the medical difficulty, the marital difficulty, the financial difficulty, the whatever relational, whatever it is. And then, yeah, if you're an outline taker, we're going to try to work our way a little bit through an outline today. First thought, number one, when something happens that rocks your belief system, you have to make a choice. When something happens that rocks your belief system. I didn't see this coming because we're such controllers. I have my day all lined up. You know, there's a verse. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The problem is, my mindset is this is the day the Lord has made. If you'll text it to me so I can print it out and say, oh yeah, this is a good day. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. Because I don't really trust you. I mean, I do trust you. I can't believe I'm saying that in church, but I don't, but I do, but I don't. But I, help me with this, Father. Oh, I'm trying to, son. But you don't learn anything from the blessings. See, blessings are a nice experience. Difficulty, pain, that's the teacher. We know that in every other area of life. You know, you don't go to L.A. Fitness to get the smoothie. You go to L.A. Fitness to put yourself through it. Not that I would know, but that's what I hear you do. <laughs> had to say that for Harvey because he knows I don't. Yeah. You choose to believe the power of the problem is too big for God or choose to believe God is all-powerful. There's no options here. I choose to believe... And I don't, I mean, I don't overtly do that. I don't know how I do it. It's almost a subliminal, this is too big. This is too big. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do here. And so what happens is, next, next, without realizing it, many people dumb down their faith to the level of their doubt. I mean, I don't mean to do that. But I just, I doubt. I either doubt that you're able or that you want to or that you're that involved, or this is just me, I'm not Billy Graham or Luis Palau, this is just me. I mean, I've heard the great stories. The problem is you forget your great stories. All, we all have them. But we're so used to what's next, and what's next, and this problem. And, I, and each of us has a default button. It's either fear, I go to fear. You know, the default button is doubt, discouraged. Rather than my default button is you. Yeah, we're going to look at a dad here today. We're in Mark chapter 9, verse 14, if you have a Bible. And in Mark chapter 9, verse 14, Jesus has just been at the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus has just been with the prophets brought back from the Old Testament. And he's with the inner circle, uh, Peter, James, and John. And there he is, he's coming down off the mountain. The other disciples are down at the bottom of the mountain. And it's such a great scene. It says, at the foot of the mountain, in verse 14, they found a great crowd surrounding the other disciples. 
as some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. The crowd watched Jesus in awe as they came toward them, and then they ran to greet him. Now, they're down there, religious leaders, and everybody has, not necessarily religious leaders, but everybody has those discouragers that get in your head. Could be a family member that gets in your head. They don't say it like this, but you hear it like this. How's your faith working for you right now? They don't mean to say it like that, but I sometimes hear it like that, and it just erodes me. And, you know, I praise God for people like Tony Evans and Chuck Swindoll that I don't even know them, but they get in the radio and they get in my head and, because they're just those out there, those people that come at you. So they see Jesus, and the religious leaders are arguing with the disciples, and the disciples are... So Jesus says in verse 16, what's all this arguing about? Now he knows what it's about, but he's going to make them make some declarations here. They're arguing about the fact that a man brought his son who has been filled with an evil spirit, has, has seizures, and the, the, this father brought his son to this man. The man's been dealing with it for a long time. And he brings his son, the, the father brings his son to uh, the disciples to heal. Now, back in Mark chapter 6, the disciples have done this before. There was a point in time where Jesus sent them out in twos. I want you two going there, you two going there, you two going there, and I, and I want you to go out and I want you to heal and cast out demons. First time they've ever done anything. All the other times they're carrying the basket of bread for Jesus. They're feeding the 5,000. Jesus does it all. This is the first time they're going out on their own. It's a great scene. When we get to heaven, I believe there's going to be a, a Blu-ray lending library. So we get to see all these things rather than just, I wish I knew what it was like. I believe you can go check it out. There's so many things you want to check out, but one of the things you want to check out is the look on their face when Jesus says, I want you, you two going out over there healing and casting out demons. Because that's about, about the time when I'm backing away and saying, hmm, I'm not sure I have the gift of that. Uh, that's a little more overt than I'm ready for right now. Harvey, I'll go with you. You do the casting out. I'll be back here behind the wall praying for you while you go do all that. Yeah. So they did it, and they did it, and it worked, and it was absolutely amazing. And so they've done this before back in Mark 6. But here in Mark 9, it wasn't working. And it wasn't working for a reason. And when the same old, same old is not working, or something's difficult's happening, or you're dealing with something, there's a reason. That's the whole point of Romans 8.28, one of the greatest verses for me in the Bible. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now here's what God does. God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Here's what I'm supposed to do. At the and we know part. That's all he wants me to do. I just want you to know that, Bob. I don't want you to default to discouragement or default to fear or, or default to doubt. I want you to get past that, son. These are exercises. This, this is the practice field and the locker room. But out there is game day. It's where you see if you can actually throw that faith pass, if you can actually catch that faith pass out there in life, in the real world. And so, wow, he, and we know that that's... That's the key, and we know, and we know that God causes. And when it says everything to work together, you don't have to tell me that the good things work together. I know that. The blessings work together. That's awesome. So this must refer to the all things, including the difficult things, the difficult journeys that work together for good. Oh, but you've got to trust me on this, son. See, because some of us go through some horrific difficulties. Rosemary got very, very sick over 30 years ago, and uh, I'd been at Sheridan House for 
oh, seven, eight years. And uh, had a seizure, and I rushed her to Memorial Hospital, and uh, Dr. Nolan came out and said, we're losing your wife. And he said, I know you're a religious man. I'm going to get you in a room where you can be alone and pray. And I went in the room, and uh, I was like, I mean, I know I know how to pray. I must. I'm in the ministry, right? I, I, I know I know how to pray. And I'm in that room. And when I'm in that room, two closest friends at that time come. One, Mike. Mike's a physician. And he says, I just heard what's up. And I said, I don't know. And so he, he gowns up and scrubs up to go in and find out. And the other one was the praise and worship leader at our church at the time, a man named Joe. And Joe comes in and sees him out of coffee. And he says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get you some more coffee. But before I do, let me just say one thing. Don't miss the lesson you're supposed to learn here. It's a good thing he left. <laughs> I was really upset with that. And he left, and he left for a long time, and all of a sudden I just lost it. And I'm on my face there, and I just lost it. And I realized I'd been having an extramarital affair with Sheridan House. You don't just have it with people. You have it with anything that gets in the way of your priorities of life. God first marriage second, if you're married, children, ministry. But I'm in the ministry, so I needed to be there 16, 17 hours a day. I'm doing it for you. Do you know that Sharon House never grew during that time period? As hard as I was trying to, and my, my life verse was kind of, I can do all things through me, who gives me the strength I need. And nothing happened. And I'm there sobbing before God, promising and I realized Joe was right. Wow, don't miss the lesson here, whatever the lesson is. Because to be honest with you, the whole thing I was thinking, I knew it. My mom died. Now you're going to take Rosemary. Oh, son, I'm not an ogre. I'm creator God, but I'm also your father, and I am going to teach you because I've got great plans for you, and you're not even close to ready at all. Zero. All I want you to do, son, is, and we know, and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Yeah, third thing, many times our life circumstances serve as the vitamins for our growth and development. They don't taste good on the way down, but they bless us by helping us grow properly. The circumstances, the difficulties, they're, they're for us to learn from. They're not just this, wow, that was random. No, nothing's random. There's never a time when God says, wow, I didn't see that coming for Bob. Ever, never, ever. This is, and, and that verse, it doesn't say, this is the week the Lord has made. This is the year. This is the season. This is the day. Every day, every day, every day, I'm convinced. Every day we walk by, wow. Wow, Lord, I could have missed that. I could have missed that. Yeah, there are times when we have to decide that where our faith is in God, not in success, not in outcomes, not in fixing, you gotta, if you, when you fix it. No, our faith's in God so that we can say, and I know, I know, all things, oh, some of this, all things work together for the good of those who love you, and that's me, and I know, I know, I can, I, I know I'm called because you rescued me, Lord. Yeah, I, I confess there have been times, and we don't know where to say that, where I've driven home from a meeting late at night in Miami and just doubted, 
Are you there? That time back from Palm Beach County, are you there? And we don't know where to say that. You know, we don't know how to come into church. Church is awesome. We come into church, hey, how you doing? We have no idea what the other person says. Hi, how you doing? They could say, well, I'm never suicidal. Hey, great to see you. You know, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm really doubting right now. Good to see you. Praise God, brother. And, and we have this, if we're not careful, we have this little church talk that we never use anyplace else. You know, praise God, brother. Uh, you know, you never go through Chick-fil-A and get your nuggets and say, praise God, brother, on the way out. The other thing, if we're not careful about church and community, is church, if you've got kids, church is the hardest place on the planet to get to Sunday morning with little kids. Can I tell you how many times Roby lost his shoes three minutes before it's time to leave? Yeah, and I used to think he's doing this on purpose. And for me, getting to church is not getting to church on time. 15 minutes early is on time. And if I don't get to church 15 minutes early, my body breaks out in a rash. I've got to get to church here. And so, so often you're late because of kids and you're on your way to church and it's not working and you're showing up and you're a little bit late and you need to get in and Rosemary has to stop and talk to people in the parking lot. And I have, and I have to tell her that's not what church is all about. It's all about getting to church on time. Let's go. Forget the people. <laughs> and we come into the building and something happens when you come into the building and you're underneath the aura of righteousness. Praise God, brother. And your kids are looking up at you thinking, wow, what happened to him? Did he, <laughs> did he just take a drug or what? Yeah, it's time for us to say, hey, pray for me. I'm in a season right now. I know, I know in the recesses of my heart, I know he's got it covered, but my business is, but my marriage is, but my health, my medical need but my finances, but my, my future. Yeah. A fourth, faith in God must be exactly that, choosing to trust God regardless of circumstances. Choosing to trust God regardless of circumstances. Otherwise, I'm just asking God to fix me. Otherwise, I'm just calling in to the fix-it man. Could you fix this? I really don't have to, actually, I really don't have time to have a relationship with you. I wrote the request down on my little card. Is there a box I could put this in so that God will fix this? Now he loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And the challenge is, we'll relate a phobic. I don't know how to have a relationship. If you're married, you know, I remember in our early years of marriage, we've been married 43 years, and Rosemary would say, could we sit out on the patio and just talk tonight? About, <laughs> about what? I mean, really? And she said, well, we dated four and a half years and we talked all the time. I said, yeah, I had a game plan going then, though. I <laughs> Just talk. And I'm thinking if she would just text me, or in those days, fax me the questions so I'd be ready for the talk. Yeah, and he, that's why I said it's not good for man to live alone. Because as I work on this, it's the beginnings of working on this for an intimacy. But Bob, all, all you ever do is come and ask for things. You've got this list. I'm not your personal shopper, son. I'm creator God who loves you and died for you to have a relationship with you. Yeah, in verse, in verse 17 of our focal passage, Mark 9, one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son for you to heal. He can't speak because he's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. 
Now, this man thinks this is the problem. This is not the problem. This is the presenting problem. You know, many times we have a presenting problem that with help we can get. The reason for counseling with people like Juliana is to help get you to the real problem. But to him, the problem, the presenting problem is, my, my, my son, he's, he's, and it's been a long time, uh, but it kind of got you to me, didn't it, son? Because we've got bigger issues than that. This is what he thought the problem was. And that goes on with the problem. And whenever the, in verse 18, whenever the evil spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground and makes him foam at the mouth and grind his teeth and become rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. So in verse 21, Jesus asks the question, how long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father, and he replied, since he was very small. Verse 22, the evil spirit often makes him fall into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Stop right there if you're reading this with me. He presents the problem, but now he's going to present his doubt and discouragement. He's going to say, this is the problem. And can I just say, I think I've become the problem. I'm not causing it, but it's who I am. I, I'm, I'm the man with the child with the problem. Remember Simon the leper in the Bible? Simon the leper shows, has a big feast. He couldn't have a big feast. He couldn't have a big feast and be at the feast if he still had leprosy, which means he used to have leprosy. But he doesn't have leprosy anymore. He has a big feast for Jesus. But he's still referred to as Simon the leper. Because sometimes we carry our problems with us for so long, it becomes who I am. You know, hi, my name is Bob. I've got this issue or that issue or that difficulty or that discouragement. Yeah, he states the problem, and he finishes verse 22 with an amazing statement. He says, have mercy on us and help us. Do something if you can. And unfortunately, this is often the quiet prayer of our hearts. Sometimes we'll close a prayer with, nevertheless, your will be done, Lord. But I think when we say, nevertheless, your will be done, we're actually saying, maybe this is too big for you and I don't want to embarrass you. So if you can't fix this, your will be done. The water parting God. I mean, that's another Blu-ray you want to take out, right? The water parting scene that really, really happened, and I don't think the miracle is that God parted the waters. He's creator God. I had a guy ask me on the airplane the other day, so you really believe that Jonah and the big whale story? And I said, "Big? it could have been a butterfly. It could have been Jonah swallowed up by a big butterfly. It's God. Really, he's God or he's not God. This whole water parting, I think the amazing thing is absolutely not that God parted the waters. I think the amazing thing is that anybody went. <laughs> you guys go text me when you get to the other side. I, I just want to know, this is this real? Yeah. He's God. Your father is God. Your father is God. He loves you. He put on skin. He came for you. Took your place. We just celebrated that. And he's involved and active, but sometimes I like control. Let me rephrase that. All the time I like control. Oh, son, I'm going to pull it. Because I've got so much better for you. I am so glad in my life that God didn't give me or Sheridan House the things I was really asking him for. He gave better, bigger, exceedingly and abundantly beyond all I would have asked or imagined. Wow. Have mercy on us. Do something if you can. Do something if you can. I, I think that's sometimes our prayer. 
Do something if you can. And I wouldn't say it out loud, but wow, this is big. Are you there? Are you even there? And this has been big for a long time. I'm Simon the leper, or I'm, I'm Bob the going through divorce, or I'm whatever it is in your life. I'm, I'm, I'm Bob looking for work, or I'm, or I'm dealing with this, whatever it is. And after a while, it becomes... Get up in the morning and it's... Have mercy on us. Help us do something if you can. A fifth thought. We can get so bogged down by our problems that we think the answer is a change in circumstances rather than trust in God. Because if my answer is just a change in circumstances, then something happens at the end of the circumstance and it's done and it's awesome and, and, and then I run into another circumstance and I'm all in a hole again and I run into another circumstance. No, it's okay, I'm learning, I'm learning. All of this is about learning. I realize that blessings, Lord, blessings are, are a nice experience. Difficulty is the trainer drawing me to you. It's Joe saying to me in that, in that hospital, don't miss the lesson. Don't miss the lesson here. Have mercy on us. Do something if you can. I see his pain. I see his challenge in this. But he's a father. He loves you. About a year ago, one of the boys from Sheridan House, who was with us at Sheridan House a long time ago, and it's kind of fun now, I just had a 51-year-old last week, uh, 51-year-old graduate, of, and this is even harder for me to say, of while I was at Sheridan House uh, working there, get in touch with me from Texas to talk what was going on and ask for a list of guys, and then, but some time ago, a guy summarized it the best. His name is Josh, and Josh uh, came to visit us, and Josh was a kid, just this kind of little lazy, not little, Josh was huge, lazy kid who uh, never would have finished high school, never would have finished middle school, just wanted out. But he came to Sheridan House, and all of a sudden working with, uh, with Steve Benarchuk and Brian and, and uh, uh, accepted Christ and picked it up and did great and graduated from middle, uh, finished middle school, graduated from high school with a 4.0, went off to um, University of Massachusetts, uh, played football there on a full academic and uh, football scholarship, played, played for the Dolphins for two years and out, in, uh, out with the Vikings right now. And he came back to visit, and the question you always ask is, okay, what changed you? What impacted you? And he said two things. One, uh, Mr. B led me to Christ. He said, and I knew God had a plan for my life, but it wasn't just that. He said, the other thing that changed me was the lawnmower. At Sheridan House, we all know what that means. Here's what the lawnmower means. You go to school every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. Our staff goes in the school behind you. If you're not doing what you need to do at school, we're assuming you don't want to be in school today and you come home and you cut grass. And we have 60 acres. You cut grass and we'll try in school tomorrow. We'll try in school tomorrow. We'll try in school tomorrow. So here's a kid who comes uh, to Sheridan House with all F's and two D's and leaves Sheridan House with a 4.0. Was it our academic prowess? The lawnmower. Now, did he hate us some days? Absolutely. Is he grateful today? Absolutely. He's a better father. He's a better father. There are seasons of our lives that draw us closer. There are seasons of our life where we have to choose. I have to choose to trust God. And Lord, I have a hard time saying this. And it's Paul that said, I've asked you three times to take this problem from my life, this thorn from my flesh. I'm learning to praise you for it. Because with it, you're going to make me who I need to be. And that's all I want. You created me for a purpose. I don't want to miss my purpose. 
I don't want to miss it at all. None. You know, I was introduced in Chicago a long time ago by my mentor. His name is Dr. Wendell Hawley. The introduction was perfect. He said, Bob Barnes is the most average guy I've ever seen doing great things for God. He probably would only work in South Florida, certainly not here in Chicago. And we were out afterwards getting a cup of coffee, talking about it, and I realized, he's right. I fit here. My, my me wouldn't fit anyplace else. Somehow you got me here. But Lord, I, I am one of those people that you've just taught through difficulty. And you've drawn me here. When I came to Christ, Rosemary gave me my first Bible. Actually, I think it was right before I came to Christ, but she gave me my first Bible. And uh, this is brutal. I mean, I'd read it every night before I went to bed, and I've got to tell you, it's a sleeper. It was killing me. And I said to her, she said, are you reading your Bible? I said, I'm reading it every night, and I'm not even making it through a chapter. I mean, it's killing me. And she said, you're giving it the worst of your time. Give it the best. If this is real, and it is, then you want to know it. You want to take notes. You don't want to have somebody else be the only one feeding into your heart. You want to go, we don't have to go through a priest anymore. You, he wants a relationship with you, not vicariously through some pastor. But we miss doing what we were made to do because we let somebody else have a relationship and we kind of draft off of that relationship. Jesus says, what do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. And this isn't a name in or claim it. This is a, waiting for you to believe. This is too big a moment for you. Waiting for you to believe, waiting for you to choose to trust me. And here it is, Bob, regardless of the outcome. Oh, do you have any idea what? Yeah, I'm your father. You got to know I love you more than you love you, son. I'm your father. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father gave the cry of our hearts after that in verse 24, one of the greatest verses in the Bible. The father instantly replied, and you can just hear the gutturalness of this, I do believe, but help me not to doubt. Some of you have memorized this, I do believe, help my unbelief. I do believe, and I, I'm going to say it out loud, Lord, help me not to doubt. I, I mean, I know there are people that, you know, praise God all the time and everything's wonderful, and, I, and I'm not there yet, Lord. Oh, son, it's a daily. It's a daily decision. It's not just a, I did it. It's, you no, know, you do it. You get up in the morning and you do it, son. I do believe, help me not to doubt. And I think when he said that, there's an exhale and his shoulders are slumped. And I, I've just, I've been everywhere for help. I've gone everywhere for help. And that's the problem, son. There's nothing wrong with going for help. There's everything wrong with waiting till everything else fails to come to me. Come to me first. Go for help. Come to me first. I am the great physician. Use the physicians. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Oh. The problem has become so big that I think I can't even see you anymore, Lord. It was little at first, and then it's, I've had it for so long, this son of mine, and this difficulty, this pain. Yeah, a sixth thought, sometimes we focus for so long on a problem that we can no longer see God. Hi, my name is Simon the leper. Even though I'm not a leper, but I'm Simon, I'm Bob the. The pain just so occupies us 
the fear, the doubt, the discouragement. And from that, you know, for me, anger. When Rosemary was in that hospital and the doctor said, we're losing your wife, my first response was anger. And honestly, was it you? I knew it. I knew I could never totally give it up and trust somebody at this level again. Trust another person enough. My mom, then you, I knew it. You know, end of the day here. He was shaking me from that fear. Oh, Bob, you got to give it up. You can't trust me. I know the plans I have for you. I know what I'm going to do with all this. But I think we get rocked by difficulty. You know what else I think we get rocked by? Other people. I think sometimes there are other well-meaning or not well-meaning people that speak into us. How's your faith working for you now? They never say it like that. But they speak into you. You're not still doing that, doing that 10% tithing thing, are you? Really? And they speak into you and speak into you where you all of a sudden, and my predilection is to go with some of the things they're saying anyway. Yeah, wait a minute. And then the discouragement. I'm either in or I'm not in. Yeah, sometimes we focus for so long on a problem that we can no longer see God because of the difficulty or the longevity. Yeah, seventh thought. Don't let the longevity of a difficulty erode your confidence in the power and the love of God. Now, this is the day the Lord has made. This is the day, not the month, not the year. This is the day. And I, you know what? I'm going to say it, Lord. I'm going to say it, and I'm going to work at believing it. I'm going to try really hard to get there. Sight unseen, I will rejoice and be glad in it because you made it for me. I believe, Lord. Help my unbelief on that one. Ah, oh, son. It's okay. We're getting there. Just don't forget. And the whole purpose of Moses setting up the festivals was, remember. Remember, he fed, he fed us. Remember, he parted the waters. Remember, he gave us houses we didn't build. Remember, remember. But in the blessings, I forget. And then all of a sudden, I think I earned them. And then a word pops, I deserve. And so all of a sudden, we need a little, wow. What do you mean, if I can? Yeah, there's an incredulousness in this of Jesus. Wow, really? What do you mean, if I can? I do believe, but help me not to doubt. Help my unbelief. This whole thing is a decision that I have to redo but the, every day. I believe, I believe, and I'm going out there to worship today, Lord. And I know this is, to me, and, and most will disagree with me on this, this to me is a time on Sunday, the locker room, where we come and study and praise God in music. But we go out there and worship every day. Romans 12, 1 says to present yourself as a living and holy sacrifice. doesn't mean die. It's just sacrifice my will for your will. Present yourself as a living and holy. This is the day the Lord has made. I trust you. I'll rejoice and be glad. Present yourself as a living and holy sacrifice in view of God's mercy, in view of what I've done, in review of the remembering Bob. Is this too much to ask? Present yourself as a living and holy sacrifice in view of God's mercy. Is this too much to ask? This is your holy act of worship. You worship out there. You worship when you get out there and, wow, didn't see that coming. Wow, or, wow, I didn't see that coming three years ago and I'm still dealing with it. I'm still looking for a job. I'm still, I'm still looking for relief from, I'm still looking for what am I supposed to do next?
I'm supposed to trust you and do my part today. This is the day the Lord has made. And that's a choice. It all begins with Romans 10.9, however. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and here's what that means to me, that I am not Lord of me, that I'm not my own little king. I know I have all these plans and I have all these calculations. It's great to plan. Supposed to have goals. But understanding sometimes his goals are bigger and better. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's it. It's awesome. He's my Savior, but it's a daily making him my Lord. I'm reporting, Lord. This is the day you've made. And this difficulty brings it out. Difficulty points. Difficulty shows me. Yeah, number eight, difficulties we face serve as opportunities to choose whether we totally trust God or not. We do have to choose. It's not a vapor. It's not a, I'm going to sing a song so I choose better. You choose. It's an act of your will. Not my will, but your will. Every day, I don't know what's going on, but I choose, I choose. And I've got to get rid of the stuff that stops me. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. I refuse to doubt. I strip it off. I'm, no more fear. I'm not going to have that meet my default button anymore. I'm done with that. And here's the hard one for me. I will release control to you, Lord. I actually think that's more of a male thing than a female thing, but I will release... Well, I already said it once, so I'm not going to say it for you again. Yeah, It's like, wow. Because, well, Bob, if you want to be in control and be your own little God and the master of your destiny, master of your day and, and your destiny and everything, have at it. Be your own little... No, no, no. You're my Savior. I make you my Lord. I make you my Lord. You see, n- number nine, the key is to totally trust God. The key is to totally trust God and get up tomorrow again and totally trust God and get up tomorrow again and totally trust God. and get. It's a get up. It's a get up. It's a get up and totally trust God. I've got to choose that. So here's what you do every day. It's number 10. First, I must choose what I trust. Then I must trust what I choose. First, I choose what I trust. And in America, I'm t- taught to trust this. If I have enough of this, I'll either be happy or I can take care of us. And I like it in my money clip in my pocket so I could rub it every now and then and just see how, it's kind of sad that it's all ones, but I like, I, I have it and I, I, can, I can do this with it. And yeah, you've got to decide what you trust and then you've got to release the rest. All you have he gave you. Can I say there's nothing wrong with stuff? As long as I know that all my stuff came from him. We're so blessed. As long as I know. I don't have to give, I get to give. Wow. First, you must choose what you trust. And then you get up in the morning and you decide to choose to trust what you've chosen. Go after it. Go after it. There's a story of a pastor who explains this so well because if you don't know Christ, this doesn't make sense. It was at a seminary mid-1900s, 1950-something, a seminary in Chicago, and they had what they called some kind of pastor's day where they invited pastors in all around the Illinois area, bring your bag lunch and come, and they would bring in this famous philosopher, and the famous philosopher would speak to them. And this particular year, they picked a philosopher who did not, did not believe Christ uh, was God. 
and did not believe in the inerrancy of this book. And he was brilliant and quoted lots of people for an hour on why this is not the word of God. And uh, he finished and he asked for questions. And everybody was kind of intimidated and nobody knew how to ask. An older pastor stood up in the back and he had his bag lunch and he pulled out of the bag an apple and he took a bite and uh, well, see if anybody else was going to ask questions. And then he took another bite and then he said, Dr. Niebuhr, I have a question. And then he took a third bite and everybody was kind of nervous and looking at this old guy. And he drops the apple in a sack and he rolls it up and he said, Doctor, I have one question. The apple that I just put in my sack, is it sweet or sour? To which this famous philosopher said, how can I know? I've not tasted it. I've not tasted your apple. To which the pastor said, obviously, neither have you tasted my Jesus. It's a call to trust him. And then get up tomorrow and trust him again. And bless him as you trust him through your circumstances. And be honest with him. I believe, Lord. I'm having a little. And then review. I see what you've done. I'm sorry. I see what you've done. And get up tomorrow. And all of a sudden, one day you go, wow, look what you've done. Look what you've done. I believe, Lord. And my unbelief is getting smaller and smaller. If you don't know for sure, that you've trusted Christ as your Savior. If you don't know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die, I would not have you leave here without settling that. Right there in your seats. No hands up, nothing. But have the opportunity to pray and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior so that you can walk out of here today knowing, all right, I'm forgiven. My sins are as far as the east is from the west. I'm totally, completely, there's no baggage with me. I'm completely forgiven. Forgiven. Who would not have you leave here today without knowing that? Would you all bow your heads? If that's you, if that's you today, not sure, then I urge you in your hearts silently to pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, Thank you for taking my place on the cross. Thank you for forgiving me and paying the price. Thank you. I receive and accept and acknowledge your death as taking my place today. I turn from the sin of running my own life to hand it over to you today. Thank you for becoming my Lord today. And Father, for all of us, we believe, Lord, help those moments of unbelief. Help us see those things and help us acknowledge, oh, that's you, that's you, you're here. And Father, thank you for training us. Thank you for training up our faith. Thank you for being not just creator God, but our Father who wants the best for us and will never leave us. And Lord, we promise in all that we see you do in our lives, we will give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak with somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call us at 954-432-0321. 
Or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.